0: Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to Vlad You, you look like the donkey I, from Shrek.
1: Hey <laughs> Shrek, I'm a donkey.
0: <laughs> We're drinking today. <laughs> well, we just started, so yeah. it's not like it's going to be
1: like uh, I ain't suckling shit where I'm shit head, <laughs> I am a shithead because I was so hand boned.
0: I'm Gina Bogey.
1: I'm Melinda Collins, and this is Blonde Moments Podcast. We're here to entertain you and scare you about the people that are living among us. <laughs> <laughs> so, the other day, I learned a really, really weird fact that I have never known. Oh boy. You know how when you're sleeping, sometimes you feel like you're falling and you jerk awake? Mm-hmm. Do you know why your body does that? No. It's your brain's way of making sure that you're still alive because your heart rate slows down so much. Oh,
0: my God. That's terrifying. It is so creepy. That's awful. (laughs) I wish I could unknow that. (laughs) Well, if I had to know it, you had to know it too. Because now every time that happens, I'm going to be like, I'm dying. (laughs) I'm alive. Oh, my gosh. Well, doesn't your heart rate slow naturally while you sleep that's what it's saying
1: That your your heart rate is so slow that it's like your brain's way of like kicking you back out like
0: alive basically like giving you one of those things the different defibrillator defibr, yeah. defibrillator <laughs> yes de- is yes. de- de- that's how you say it right? defibrillator de- okay <laughs> i swear we just started drinking <laughs> yeah
1: literally just popped the tops open
0: Also, in reference to last week's podcast about me munching on dog food,
1: (laughs) I I still – I was, you know, obviously listening back to the episode and I'm just picturing baby Gina walking around with these pocketfuls of kibble, just (laughs) scrumptious little dog bites. And I just keep thinking of like all the shit that was in – Old dog food. Mm, Is that crude
0: protein? (laughs) (laughs) One of our listeners, Mike, said, I was at my best friend's house as a kid and his mom always had a bunch of glass jars with snacks in them. And I went and grabbed what I thought was cookies. I started just munching them down thinking these are pretty crappy. (laughs) The whole family was just looking at me after I had already eaten like four. I go, what? They all in sync say, those are dog treats. But did you like them? (laughs)
1: you're trying to like get a whole group of people that are like the we like dog food club i mean my
0: my taste buds have since changed now you just prefer cat food (laughs) no cat food smells the worst (laughs) that's where you draw the line Uh, oh yeah i i draw the line there okay (laughs) no meow mix for me
1: (laughs) meow 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 Gina's singing that as she's eating little pieces. Chump, chump, chomp,
0: chomp. chomp, chomp.
1: <laughs> okay, so we're on the topic of animals. We, a couple episodes, discussed Peter the dolphin. Yes, we did. Who could forget? Okay, well, <laughs> have you ever seen a duck penis?
0: Mm. No, but I know you're about to show me. <laughs> I sure <have. laughs>
1: So I'm just going to go into a little backstory, and then I will show you a picture of a duck oh, dick. God. They are 17 inches tall. Excuse the me. penis? I'm sorry. The duck. Oh, oh God. I their, was gonna say, holy but shit. Their
0: penis. Puts that man to shame that sent in the picture <laughs> to
1: the roller. But their penis is also 17 inches long. No. Yes. <gasps> the tip of the penis is soft and can brush away sperm from competitors, and the length of the penis is to lasso females who try to escape. So like ducks <gasps> are like
0: Oh yeah, it don't ducks like <laughs> rape them? oh my god the duck dick literally it's
1: like, it looks like a, a corkscrew a, a corkscrew yeah how are you not laughing when i saw that i like lost my shit oh my because i am
0: disturbed
1: <laughs> so isn't, that's like how you really get the term screw okay.
0: Like, <laughs> oh my god isn't duck sex sex like very violent though I've never witnessed. I'm almost positive. They like, it looks like they like rape the female ducks. They're like super aggressive.
1: So while I stumbled on that little tidbit, I also found out the same thing that you're kind of saying, but about dolphins. Their penis can also swivel and can operate like a human hand to feel out objects. But dolphins are known to be like rapists. They use their dick to also lasso females. get over here your mind now so then i found this meme (laughs) and it's this woman who looks terrified swimming in a life jacket and there's this dolphin behind her and they wrote you ever tasted a dolphin penis babe
0: oh no
1: so i will for sure post that meme. i thought that
0: was so funny oh my god so we're finding
1: out you know these weird things about animals and what their
0: nature's wild but man that that duck penis is just well to be continued on the the duck sex (laughs) i know you guys are all sitting in anticipation i'm gonna have to look into it because i swear i heard something like that maybe i'm wrong i'll keep you guys updated okay
1: so then i had posted on our instagram story that I was watching this movie on Netflix called Desperados, And this girl gets raped by a dolphin, and the dolphin oh, jumps yeah. out of the air and slaps her across the face with a penis.
0: and I'm sure you guys saw that on our Insta
1: story. I was I was like literally that episode came out, and I just started watching that movie. And I was like, what are the odds? You never hear about something ever? And then all of a sudden you keep
0: hearing you keep about hearing it, about, about it. it. What's that called? The-
1: there's a name Mandela for- effect.
0: No, I don't know. There's a name for it. That's I'm too blonde nice. to know it right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, forgiven. The theory of relativity is that it. I don't know. Don't make me think. I know. Like, I, it's Monday. I I can't be forced to think. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I'm not going to make you think. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One more Go thing. On. One more thing about animal dicks here. Donald Duck has a huge cock. <laughs> oh my! So, once you start looking this shit up, there is seriously so much stuff on the internet. Are people drawing Donald Duck with dick? Well, there's a screenshot of a picture of Donald Duck waking up with a boner. Oh
0: my god! <laughs> Let me see this.
1: So Disney – Wow. Well, well uh – He's touching it too. Well, he's pushing it down. He's pushing it down, yeah. yeah. He's like, hello, Morningwood. Goodbye, Morningwood.
0: Well, you know, I've heard that – and I don't know if this is true or not either – that in all Disney movies, there's some type of subliminal sexual thing going mm-hmm. on, whether it's like clouds in the shape of a dick or – The castle in The Little Mermaid is a penis. Yeah. There's always in some Aladdin, sort of like – something that says Innuendo. Sex. Yeah. Yeah. I've had all
1: of that stuff. I mean, because I remember when I was a kid, we had the VHS of The Little Mermaid. And I was always like, there's the penis right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On the cover? On the cover. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's wrong with the world? We're all just a bunch of perverts. We are. We're all just horned up. All the time. Yeah. Is there people out there that aren't horned up all the time? They must exist. People that just don't care about. I think it happens as you get older. I mean, it hasn't happened for me yet. <laughs> Someday, maybe. Maybe when I'm like 90. Perhaps. I don't know. I think I'll still be taking my husband's cock down my throat at 90, I bet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> Lord. <laughs> Get those wrinkled balls in my mouth. <sighs> oh, okay. Um, I guess we'll stop talking about dicks for now. For For the next couple of seconds, right? So one of our listeners, Blackstock, uh, sent in a meme of a guy trying to put gas in his Tesla. (laughs) In his brand new Tesla that he bought. And I mean, who knows if it's, you know, true or not. But if you look at the video, he has brand new like dealer, you know, paper or whatever tag plates. Okay. Paper tag plates? Paper
1: tag plates. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, okay, I don't know anything about a Tesla. Aren't, I mean, are they they're electric. electric yeah, okay. they're okay, all so electric. I'm good. So I'm not bad on that. There's okay.
0: not even a motor in the car from what I understand it. Or if there is, it's a, it's a computer. So is he
1: just out of He just bought that brand new Tesla and didn't know what the fuck he bought. But I mean, like, is his car dying?
0: And that's why he feels like it needs to pick up, he needs to get gas? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. He, need a, he needs a mire with his a hair? Tesla charge. He's got a hat on, I think, so. I hope he's not blonde. I hope he is. <laughs> Of course you would. I mean, even I know that a Tesla is electric. Let's
1: well, say I I have no, don't know anything about a Tesla, and I was like, they're electric, right? So yeah. I guess
0: I wasn't that bad. There's no, he was looking for, he was at the gas pump looking for uh,
1: a place to put in gas, and he can't. So blonde moments just happen everywhere.
0: Yeah. What is it with all of us at the gas stations not knowing what the hell's going on? Me with the air. That other girl in the other video that kept driving around to different pumps, and going to the same side of her car the every time. Side.
1: That's a true blonde moment to me. Yeah, when you, it's not like you're like, oh shit, it's not on the side, so let me go to the other side, okay. But then you keep going to the same, same side, side of your car.
0: Yeah, that's why I wonder if these are like real. You know, maybe they're just people wanting to get insta- meme,
1: insta famous. Yeah,
0: meme famous, insta famous, whatever. But either way, it's entertaining for us. So we like talking about stupid
1: shit people do.
0: We sure do.
1: So today's episode is our true crime episode. So I did find a really creepy story. There was this woman named Maria del Carmen and she asked her neighbor if she could if, excuse me. She Maria asked her neighbor if he would store this box of sex toys for her and he said okay. Oh. Okay. No problem. She told the neighbor that she wanted the sex toys out of her house because it was being scoured by investigators looking for clues to her boyfriend's disappearance. But what would the sex toys have to do with that? The neighbor sensed something was wrong with the box because it started to stink. Inside of the box was her missing man's decapitated head.
0: That's disgusting. Can you fucking imagine. Why would you give that to somebody?
1: Especially if it's going to stink. Yeah. Okay, wouldn't you wrap it a million
0: times? Well, why would you need to hide your dildos? Like her her whole story didn't even make (laughs) sense. If you're investigating my house, first of all, you're not going to find any dildos. We all know how I stand on that. But if I did, you know, I wouldn't care.
1: Well, maybe, you know, you've heard of when people have to go to trial, they peg them to be this
0: hoochie oh she enjoyed pleasuring herself
1: yeah they sh- how they dare she show you in a light well she had a lot of sex toys so we all know what she's like she must have worshipped the devil and she must listen to blonde moments podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh no this is this is gross this is a whole new level of what the hell mm.
0: I had have been like nah I'm good I can't keep your box of dildos You, <laughs> you you go ahead and keep those I don't need to store them for you. People are so wild, man. Wild, I tell you. <laughs> Speaking of wild. <laughs> Uh-oh. I had texted you the other day asking if I had talked to you about wearing bread bags. <laughs> That's right. And i you have not. You've not talked to me about this. I want to know if anyone else out there, when you were growing up, and if you grew up where there was snow, you know, I grew up in Michigan. So. <laughs> <laughs> if your parents made you wear
1: bread bags on your feet. See, it wasn't bread bags, it was just grocery store bags for me. What? See, yeah. you did it though? Yes. We I have, have like no a- idea what where you were going with the story of bread bags. No idea. But yeah, I, we did. We had to like put it inside of our boots if it was like really snowy. I think that's a normal 80s kid
0: thing. I mean, I feel so normal all of a sudden right now. <laughs> I used to hate it so much though. Like because, you know, when you get to school, you have to take your boots off, you know. <laughs> I don't remember to be
1: for school. I remember it like if we went sledding.
0: Oh no. I like every day I had to wear my bread bags to school in my Your boots. Wonder Bread bag. <laughs> no, we didn't get Wonder Bread. My, remember of my course. dad got the like dry whole grain bread. Uh-huh. Remember the Velveeta? Yes. I, I how
1: could I forget? How
0: could you forget? So like I would always try to take off my boots like when <laughs> i like I'd, I'd be foot. like,
1: I have to go to the bathroom.
0: Like in one swift like motion so that way like the bread bag stayed in my boot, uh-huh, you know, because uh-huh. then when I put them back on, I didn't care if the bread bag went on my foot or not, you know, as long as the bread bag was in my boot when I got home.
1: Was your dad checking your bread bag well, yeah, before you have, left?
0: you'd have to leave them out to dry out before <laughs> you <laughs> Even get like new
1: ones, was- you
0: would, but you know, it depends how much bread you go through. In- oh. Unless they got a hole in the bread bag, you got to reuse it, sure. But sure enough, sometimes you know, your feet would be sweaty and you pop your foot out of the boot and out comes the bread bag with it. And did everybody ever like see it and make fun of you? Yes, that's why I'm like, am I the only one? No, that had to sure. do I mean, this,
1: it wasn't. All the time sort of thing. It was if we were going like trudging through snow. Oh, no.
0: I had to wear them every day to school. <laughs> I think your dad just was like into punishing me <laughs> for some reason. And then when like my friends are, were over and we were going to go play outside, he'd be like, put those bread bags on. I'd be like, Dan, <laughs> my friends are here. <laughs> no. Not the bread bags. He'd be like, give them some too. <laughs> your dad had
1: like an endless <laughs> supply of bread bags. That is so funny. It reminds me of a story when I was a kid. My sister and I had these friends who – they were two girls. They were not the cleanest people and – They're dirty. Yeah. I mean, they were like the sweetest people. They were so nice. But one was my sister's age. One was my age. And they kind of were like the stinky kids. And they (laughs) – I love how
0: she's trying to be nice about this. They're kind of like the stinky kids. Well, they were really nice kids. Yeah. But – You can be nice and stinky. They
1: were nice and stinky and nice and stinky. (laughs) And they would want to come over to our house and stuff because my mom always had desserts and food. You know, there's always like stuff readily available. And before they were allowed in my house, my parents would make them go into our bathroom and wash their feet. (laughs) Oh,
0: no. (laughs) They were stinky. See, Actually, your parents should have just given them bread bags to wear like slippers. It may be. Roll the top of it down, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. <gosh. laughs> one year, they gave me,
1: and we have this on video, but one year for my birthday, they I was probably eight. They gave me their mom's bra as my gift. Oh. And their mom had some big, <laughs> oh, todays And I was a flat-chested eight-year-old. Yeah. There's video like there's video proof. I should try to find it. Why did they give you a bra? I turned bright red when I pulled that thing out.
0: (laughs) Did they do it as a prank? No,
1: they did it like as a real gift.
0: Oh my god. So my
1: it was dirty. You could tell it was used. (laughs) So my mom put it in the washing machine and the whole thing fell apart. And I was like, why did you even wash it? Like,
0: what do you think I was going to wear it as a hat? Like, what was I going to do with it? But, Meanwhile, yeah. the mom next door is like, where's that red bra of mine? <laughs> She's all
1: topless or braless, like just walking around.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> where's my good bra?
1: It was white, but it was so dirty. It was gray. Oh it was gross. God. But it was huge. Like, you know, those huge, like, Walmart bras? Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was like.
0: Oh. oh, I was you said you turned bright red. I, I thought you said red. that the bra was No, red. no. I was
1: like there's like video of me like pulling it out like, "Oh my god, what is this?" <laughs> Man. Oh my god. They are the people who had the creepy guy Keith living in their or whatever his name was. In their garage? Yes. Oh, Same well this makes people. so much
0: sense mm. now. <laughs>
1: yeah. So
0: weird. Don't don't, thing. F- don't
1: gift your friends your mom's bra. Yeah, that's uh, a weird thing
0: to be gifted. It's
1: never a good look. That's disgusting. And she was an v- overweight woman.
0: So was it one of those things where you had to pretend like you liked it too? <laughs>
1: Thank <laughs> you. I always wanted one. <laughs>
0: That awkward moment when you're gifted something that you do not want or like at all. It has to be the worst gift I've ever received. I <laughs> I would say uh, that's up there. It's pretty A bad. dirty, giant Used. bra.
1: <laughs> For an eight-year-old. Like, couldn't you just get like 50 cents and buy me like a pack of gum and be like, this is all we can afford? Right, yeah, because that would have been better. Or find one of my Barbies and just like rewrap it up and give it to me. I don't know. Right. Your mom's, bra- like, what was their thought process, too?
0: Yeah. They're like, well, we're going, going around over, the house searching for gifts. We're going
1: over for Melinda's birthday. We're going to have some chocolate cake. Who got to get her a gift? <laughs> oh, I know. What about one of mom's bras? She'll love a that. A dirty one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> I, I have to say, I, I, I don't think I've ever been gifted a dirty bra. <laughs> I don't think most people have been. I mean I'm racking my brain, but I'm not sure. You know what's another disgusting
1: thing? When people buy undergarments from a goodwill. Oh yeah. Like sometimes you go to a rummage sale and then you'll see like people have their bras and underwear like, just toss that shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess if you really can't afford it, then I, I, I see that. But even if I was dead ass broke, I'd have a hard time ugh. wearing someone's I feel like you'd end up causing yourself underwear. more problems. Yeah. Ugh. I, th- I that is, ugh. Because underwear is, you know, you can get it for relatively cheap. You buy a pack of, like, Fruit of the Loom, you know, whatever. <laughs> you get, like, like 12 panties pack. for, like, 10 bucks. Yeah. You know? You can figure it out. Right. But that is gross because you have no idea where those panties are coming from. Like as my girls, you know, got older, I think a lot of moms do this. You put like age three to six months in a bin because either if you're going to have another kid or you're going to donate them, right? Uh Or, you know, same like. I just did that yesterday. Yeah. See, you do it. But at no point in time did I ever keep the underwear. No. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not even going to make my younger kid wear the hand-me-downs of my older kids' underwear. Exactly. You know, like, not even siblings. Y'all are doing that. You're nasty. Yeah. I I always toss the underwear out. (laughs) Plus, especially toddlers and stuff, dude, they're making accidents in their underwear all the time. All the time, right.
1: No. I just keep thinking about their mom's, like, nipple secretions (laughs) and,
0: like... (laughs) (laughs) So gross. Just... I love that your mom (laughs) is so sweet trying to wash it. She did.
1: That thing literally just completely fell apart. (sighs) I guess I'll start uh, our actual true crime part here and go into my
0: story. We always just go on so many different tangents. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I forget what we're talking about on (laughs) different episodes.
1: Yeah, we haven't had too much to drink, so I remember. Yeah, But there was, I don't know, maybe our last true crime episode, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally
0: forgot it was a true crime episode. We're always talking about crazy shit, you know?
1: Okay, so set the scene here. Seattle, Washington, 1992. August 6th, firefighters respond to three fires that were started. August 9th, three more fires were started. One was at the Linwood Alliance Church, another at the Trinity Lutheran Church. Two weeks after that- My
0: church when I was little was called Trinity Lutheran. Oh, isn't that
1: special? I'm sure there's a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there is.
1: 2 weeks after that there were two more church fires that happened September 7th another fire at an office building more fires between September 7th and 9th uh, they were happening at bakeries lumber companies September 9th there were more fires at these residences
0: oh my god s- you said this is all in the same town right
1: it's it's all pretty close proximity i sound fancy when i'm so that. fancy <laughs> September 9th, there were five more fires, and these were at places where there were homes that people were there. Everyone got out okay. September 17th, the Fright House Square Shopping Mall. They're in Tacoma, Washington, so that one's a little bit out. That happened September 22nd, September 28th, some in October, more in November, more through the 2nd, the 7th, the 17th.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: January 1st of 1993, there was... All of these fires that just kept happening. So there was a serial arsonist that I was on the loose. Of all of these fires, there was only three deaths. And that happened at the Four Freedoms Retirement Home. And that was on September 22nd. Bertha Aww. Nelson, who was 93, died of smoke inhalation. Mary Harriet Doris, who was 77, died of smoke inhalation. And Adeline Gertrude Stockness was 70. And she died of a heart attack caused by the fire.
0: That's terrible. They probably couldn't even like get out. Sure.
1: Oh. And so there was about 100 fires, and luckily there were only three victims. The investigators started an arson task force named Snow King.
0: Snow King? Snow King.
1: And the reason why they did that was because of the names of the counties. It was like Snow (laughs) Time. (laughs) <laughs> snow and and king counties where the majority of these fires had taken place okay. i guarantee you i'm butchering the snowenheim. it's probably not even what it's called <laughs> i just make up facts <laughs> as i go along here they nicknamed the serial arsonist specter they decided to set up neighborhood watch groups and the task force only clues to the identity of the arsonist were a fingerprint that they found on a window screen there was some urine that was found in the vicinity of one of the fire sites Some footprints and reports of a well dressed, clean cut man driving a new Chrysler like vehicle with temporary tags. Paper tags? See, I was right. And an advertising card in the window. On January 27, 1993, the drawing was released to the public along with a profile and a $25,000 reward. So I won't go like super deep into the profile but basically it was a white man he was in his late 20s to mid 30s he was an internalizer he seemed to be kind of like cowardly he always had an interest in fires going back to his childhood he was either a police officer or a firefighter uh, or a volunteer or was into those uh, occupations
0: those profilers are so smart
1: like how do they do it I think they've just been able to check the boxes after they find people who do these
0: things. I want to talk to an FBI profiler. Yeah, that would be really cool. It would. I want to, like, probe their brain. He was Not in a weird way. That sounded weird. Like an alien?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sing some more Katy Perry. Pick
0: their brain. That's what I meant. Pick their brain. Or probe. (laughs)
1: Uh, The arsonist would be an emotional loser, Uh, wouldn't have really good relationships with women, be obsessed with his appearance
0: uh nice clothes newer car i mean well yeah because if you were getting laid all the time i don't think you'd care so much about starting fires <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you had a release if you had a real life you could jizz every once in a while yeah. you wouldn't be setting churches
1: on fire right damn the f- power of the pussy or
0: buttocks <laughs> <laughs> maybe he doesn't like women True. you know, you know what we shouldn't discriminate mm-hmm. it goes both ways
1: A phone call went out to the Snow King task force. Someone knew who the arsonist was. A man named George Keller called in and stated that he recognized the man in the profile sketch. It was his son, Paul Kenneth Keller. So now I'm going to go back in time to when Paul was a little shit. Probably lighting fires all the time. I think you're correct on that assumption. Uh, He was the firstborn son to George and Margaret Keller. They were both devout Lutherans. They were very enamored with their son, but they had him really young. And because Margaret felt like she was so young, she also felt very overwhelmed with having a young child. Moving forward, they started noticing that Paul had been acting super weird. They also had two more kids, Ruth, and then the youngest was Ben. Paul started being very aggressive with his sister. He'd push her down. And whenever he would hurt her, he became very disconnected. He was very vacant. He didn't
0: like being told what to do. And didn't even feel bad when his sister was hurt. Didn't feel bad.
1: Margaret was very intimidated by her son's behavior. When they had their third child, Ben, Paul really started becoming more aggressive to his siblings where he'd physically and mentally hurt them, just say horrible things to them. He'd go out of his way to do things to them to make them sad. And if his parents corrected his behavior, he would laugh at the parent who was scolding them. And oh. they they said that he seemed to gain satisfaction from being scolded. Can you imagine being parents of a child like that? Well, especially if you're a devout child lutheran you have to be like this is the devil
0: well and you always want to think the best of your child right you know like you don't you wouldn't want your child to be a murderer or an arsonist you know like anything like that like and this is the 60s
1: so it's not like they had you know profiles of what a serial killer was like they didn't have that mcdonald triad where it's like wetting the bed harming animals and playing with fires they didn't have that yet so he i think he's born in 66 They decided they were going to take him to see counselors. They they tried multiple times. They also put him on some medication for a while. And his dad even said that at some points he would even spank his son. George and Margaret felt that they were in over their heads with Paul. One morning, Margaret was about to go downstairs in their house, and she found her son Ben on the floor screaming. He was shaking. He was in utter pain. Here Paul had tripped him with a bucket of golf balls, they had to take him to the hospital. His femur was broken vertically. Oof. He, and he was like little, little, like maybe two. He had to be placed in a full body cast. Oh, no. While all this happened, Paul showed no concern over his brother, and George reprimanded him, and he seemed, Paul seemed delighted. He seemed delighted with the being reprimanded and also the pain that his brother was in. Another instance... George happened they were on vacation and George happened to look out the window and there was a pool he saw Paul pushing Ruth and holding her under the water. Oh my god. So George ran out there caught, you know, Paul doing this and poor George and Margaret just felt like Paul has to be under 24/7 care. We can't ever let him out of our sight especially with our ch- other children. So, you know, he ran outside. He started screaming at Paul. Ruth was terrified and she started crying. And
0: I guess to this day, she still won't go in water. It Like just PTSD wow. from that. And like, what do you do as a parent when one of your children is a threat to the other two children? I I have no clue. I mean. even
1: when he like was trying to drown his sister, he felt no empathy. So h- how do you change someone's behavior? Yeah. Like that is.
0: I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I'd constantly, constantly no. be worried that like. At nighttime, he would wake up and try to do something to my mm-hmm. other kids. Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep.
1: Margaret and George both felt like they were out of options. They felt like they had tried everything. And because they were very religious people, they both turned to the church. Margaret always felt disturbed. She always felt scared. She was always nervous. One day, she decided to take Paul to see a, another specialist. This specialist was in neurology. They put him through about 50 different tests, and they diagnosed him as hyperactive. That's it. So she says,
0: <laughs> "I think there was a lot more going on yes. there."
1: And she says, "So what do we do then if he's hyperactive? What do we do?" And they said, "Well, you're going to have a long parenthood." So basically, they gave
0: Margaret no options of and Anda. no help. Yes. They gave her no help at all whatsoever.
1: Over the years, Paul started becoming fascinated with fires, fire trucks, sirens. He would talk about these things incessantly. He even got a scanner radio so he could listen for emergency fire calls. When he'd hear that there was a call that went out, he'd get on his bicycle and he'd ride to the the scene of the fire. He also became interested in photography, but his muse was fire trucks. So his dad even said there was a shit ton of photographs of fire trucks just over and over again. And George was like, okay, maybe this is actually a good thing that he's interested in something. He has a hobby,
0: just not the right one. so fast forward to
1: Paul as a young adult he was in his 20s uh, George the father worked for himself he had his own advertising agency and he decided that he was gonna hire Paul to work at this advertising agency he thought maybe if he kept him busy and given him give him an opportunity to gain confidence and blah 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 he would that stay out of trouble he too. would stay out of trouble exactly Ruth also had been working at this advertisement agency as well I have to tell you if I was in my 20s and my parents still had my brother who was this horrible, villain i would have moved
0: who tried to drown me yeah i'd have been gone george told
1: margaret one day that he wanted to hire paul at the ad agency and margaret wasn't very happy with that she thought it was a mistake but george had told her that eventually he wanted paul to be able to take over the company on a whim one day margaret went into the office and when she turned the corner in the office she found paul strangling ruth against a wall
0: Jeez, what was his thing with his poor sister He stopped immediately
1: when he saw his mom, and then he just left the room, and Ruth was just standing there terrorized. I have to tell you, I would be nowhere around him at all if I was an adult. Margaret thought that she needed to tell George to fire Paul after that incident, but then George said that he felt backed into a corner because he thought that giving Paul a chance meant that eventually he would straighten himself out. But over time, he found out that Margaret was in fact right. August 1992, so this is when all these fires start happening in Seattle. George got a call from Paul, and Paul told his dad to notice the beautiful glow in the sky. George didn't think anything of it. But George later turned on the TV and saw that there was an arsonist loose in Seattle. At first, the fire started small and tool sheds with no one home, and eventually there were houses on fire where people had in fact been home. Within a couple of months, there were over 100 fires set in the city. Margaret thought someone would have to be really sick in order to do that. Ruth one night mentioned that perhaps it could have been Paul. They all were like, no, it can't be him. That's too extreme. So they had started that arson task force, and when they released that newspaper article that showed the sketch of the man is what the arsonist would look like with the profile. Neat, tall, slender, blah, blah, blah. I went over all that. George saw it, and after looking at the sketches, he just had this gut feeling that he knew it was his son, Paul. So terrible. The task force was saying someone knows this person, and if you do know anything – contact them with any information george went to his wife and they had a discussion about it and she started crying saying no it just can't be so they decided to pray on it they were asking god for the 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 way to see you know is this really our son and if it is our son what do we do they didn't want paul to be this arsonist but we're asking for guidance but they knew they had to contact the arson arson task force and turn him in George took a photo of Paul and showed it to the arson task force, and he says that the guy, the lead investigator, just turned white. Like, he just knew this is more than likely who this arsonist is. The investigators asked George to not tip Paul off, to act super normal, until they could really get a feel for him. So over a period of 10 days, they scoped Paul out and watched him with George's assistance. They even had him under round-the-clock surveillance. But the mom, sister, and brother, and George even just thought, like, it's really hard to act normal around him, but they were doing their best. One day, Paul told his parents that he was going to leave town, and Margaret's like, crap. I can't let him leave while he's being surveilled, and what happens if he goes somewhere else or he never and comes starts back? starts another fire where right. somebody
0: else dies. Did he
1: get a tip from somebody that, he you know, he's under investigation Then we're never going to see him again? So she calls Paul and she was begging him to come home. She begged him not to leave and said that they – she basically said, we need to have you here. And he said, okay, decided to come back home. But she said she felt guilty the whole time, but she knew what she needed to do. Then Paul's youngest brother felt super guilty and he wanted to warn his brother about what was going on. Oh, no. The only reason he didn't do it, though, was because he didn't want to let his dad down. Well, good. Thank goodness. Yeah, but I'm like, come on. You if, – if someone that – obviously, he was mean to his brother too. But if
0: I was the sister, I'd have been tipping the police up <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> For
1: any crime that was committed anywhere. I think yeah. it's my brother. I think this is my brother. <laughs> right? On the eighth night of the 10-night surveillance, Paul was late to dinner and they all had said that this was super unusual and they're like, oh, shit. He found out that we turned him in and they were freaking out about it. Well, he arrived. He was obviously late, but he was nervous and he was crying throughout the dinner. The whole dinner was awkward. All of them just felt like they were betraying him. At the end of dinner, Paul hugged his dad and held him for a long time. February 6, 1993, Paul was taken into police custody. He was handcuffed and during the investigation and the investigators started discussing all the different fires that had happened in the area and you can actually watch the video footage of him. He's like, I'm not a criminal. I I'm not I don't fit the criminal type. I'm not the criminal profile. And the room also that they walked him through, I forgot to say this too, was set up with bulletin boards that contained his personal details, the composite sketch, a photo of him with a sign that read identified. Can you imagine like walking through that and seeing all that and being like, You have to know you're screwed. Right? Yeah. Like they know. George, his father, was waiting for him in the interrogation room and he told him that it was the end and he says you really have to be honest and tell the truth The investigators then start talking about a church fire and asked if he had set fire to that church and then he said, yes I did and I'll tell you how I did it but I'm not a criminal type So George is like you have to you have to be honest you have to tell the truth Then he finally admitted to 76 fires but he says, Hey, I just had a series of bad judgment. I'm a loving person. I'm not a criminal. And Yeah, right. He, you th- tried drowning your sister. Weird, you know, he moved on to residences where people were living. Yeah. He, you mean to tell me that you can't? That That's a bad person. <laughs> they had said that he seemed completely unfazed through all of the questioning. But the part that really got me was he said that because he wasn't a criminal – even though he set these fires, he said, why don't you just dock my insurance? You can't put me in jail. I wouldn't hurt a mouse. So he's thinking like they're going to –
0: his insurance company is going to pay for all this damage that he had caused. Well, and he's clearly convinced himself this entire time that what he's doing isn't quote unquote bad. Exactly. So he probably really does believe that because he's convinced himself of it. But did he not know that three people died in the one fire? Well, I'll get to that in a
1: little bit, but it never – I never read anything that says he had known at that point that they died, but I'm sure he followed his work –
0: for sure, because he probably got off on that Mm -hmm. because he called his dad and said to look at the glow in the sky. Like, he got off on his handiwork or whatever you want to call it.
1: Paul targeted both unoccupied and occupied buildings stationed along his sales routes, set them on fire with the cigarette lighter. He would light whatever flammable material he could find, wood, trash, cardboard boxes. He would sometimes build a teepee out of combustible material that he'd found at the scene, and he coordinated the fire brigades through an emergency scanner he brought with himself so he was keeping track of the fire department through all of this but he
0: probably got off on the fire department responding to his fires that probably uh, you're onto something there
1: um so you had made mention about the three elderly women who had died in a fire that he had set so ultimately he was charged with their murders during his trial, he seemed unnerved by everything that was being said. The judge noticed noticed this, and this I thought was pretty badass. She said there is no way that she could give him a light sentence knowing that somehow he could get back out into the streets. Yeah, because he had no remorse. Which is what
0: I wish they would do to pedophiles. Yeah, because if there's no remorse, they're going to commit the same yes. crime.
1: And these are obviously people who shouldn't be allowed to even have any access to repeat They're off, like the things that they've done. He pled guilty to all charges and was sentenced to 107 years in prison. The family was super sad, but ultimately they knew that they did the right thing. I'll tell you one member of the
0: family who wasn't
1: sad. (laughs) Ruth, man. She was (laughs) singing, dancing, praising her Lord. Right? She's like, thank God. George felt like he had to go out and publicly seek forgiveness from his son's victims. And he was rewarded that $25,000, the reward uh, that was for finding out who the arsonist was. He donated that money to the Trinity Lutheran Church. That was one of th- your
0: church. He oh, said, Oh, that was nice. Nice for him to do that. The sad thing
1: through all this, though, they ended up losing their businesses, their savings, and their home because all of their clients left them.
0: Well, yeah. The stigma that goes with that, you know, even though it wasn't the parents that did it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's a stigma that, yeah. you know, goes with that. They don't want to be associated with it.
1: So Margaret fought for 13 years to get over being sad about everything that had happened she just felt this weight on her shoulders and one day she woke up and she no longer felt the anxiety that she had felt she no longer felt scared and felt free which i can't believe it took that amount of time as soon as my son was behind bars if he was that cray cray i would you would feel relief wouldn't you i mean you're sad that he's behind bars but obviously he's a horrible person yeah She thanks the Lord for giving her the gift of healing, and Paul will not be released until 2078, but he would be 112 years old. I watched Evil Lives Here for this, and then I went online and did just a bunch of finding all the other stuff out about it. But there was a couple of things that I found online that people had – or someone had said that he – became so obsessed with firemen because the firemen had molested him when he was a child, but I couldn't find – I felt like the mom and dad were pretty open about everything that had happened Yeah, with him. that they would
0: have mentioned that. Yeah,
1: but who knows? So that's the story of Paul <sighs> Keller. Wow. But yeah. I thought it was an interesting story because – I don't know. I always think of just like a full-out like murder. Obviously, three people did get murdered, but I never really watch or listen to things about arsonists. So I thought yeah. it kind of interesting
0: well as usual mine is darker than yours (laughs) to be fair though for you just google the darkest most horrendous stories to be fair i picked out a show on netflix uh one that i've never watched before and i was like whatever the first one is that's what i'm gonna talk about so Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This took place in Mississippi in Knoxby County, and this was in 1990, so both of our stories are from the Mm 90s. This is a story about Courtney Smith. She is one of three sisters, the oldest being Ashley, who at the time was five. Courtney was three, and then Patria was one. I believe she was the youngest of them. They were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. And so the three sisters always slept in the same bed together. So on September 5th, 1990, um, their mom and her best friend went out to a club. They went to go clubbing, have some fun. But her mother, so the grandma, was there and her brother as well, too. um, And everyone was asleep. So it was said that sometime during the night, a man came in, took Courtney, and left. And the oldest sister, Ashley, woke up during this because she was like half asleep but didn't quite know what was going on you know she was half Mm -hmm. asleep she's five years old but she said also when she woke up in the morning she knew her sister wasn't there so when the mom came home the grandma asked if the daughter was with her and the mom said no they realized that she was gone they called the police the police searched the neighborhood they couldn't find her Two days later, on September 17th, they found the body of Courtney in a pond less than 100 yards from the residence. She was partially clothed, face down, sexually assaulted, oh and had bite marks. She was also strangled and sodomized. So, Jesus. Yeah. A three-year-old girl? Like, I just I, – I, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. I Burn can't them. Even, I can't even imagine. No. Beyond a disgusting pedophile. <sighs> so – they had 12 people that were suspects originally and 12 people's teeth impersonations that were taken. Little five-year-old Ashley um, was questioned. And this was a bizarre part for me, too, when she was questioned. One of the people that questioned her was this man named Uncle Bunky. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks just like the name sounds. Okay. So he also had this like local TV show that he did where he like... um, Was it called Funky Bunky? Funky Bunky. He was an investigator, but he also did these kid shows, drawings and cartoons and things like this for this local news channel. So Uncle Bunky and this other investigator were people that questioned Courtney. And she's five years old. I I don't know how you can really get a lot of hard facts out Mm -hmm. of a five-year-old. Especially if she was sleeping. Yeah, she was half asleep when it happened. So eventually, one of the men... That they interviewed a man named LaVon Brooks, who was like an on and off boyfriend of the mom, casually. He ended up being arrested for the murder of Courtney. They didn't really interview any of the other 12 suspects except for him. Because when they interviewed Ashley, she had said something to the fact of a quarter on his ear, like in what they thought was reference to an earring. So he was the only man out of those 12 suspects that had an earring. Oh, my God. I, I, yeah the the investigation on this to me was very poor but and he also didn't have a, have an alibi for the abduction time then they also said that his teeth impressions matched and then you know the guy who did the the forensic odontologist or whatever who did the teeth impressions this guy was a real whack job too i didn't care for him either throughout this show or the investigation and i don't even, like, the way he was showing the teeth on, like, the bite mark, he was, like, rolling them around. Like, somebody's teeth don't roll around.
1: Right. And I think they've already disproven that that's not viable evidence yeah. any it's, longer.
0: Yeah, nobody, like, rolls their teeth. You know, like, it just – it didn't make any sense. Um, he said he was innocent, he, that he didn't hurt anybody. January thirteenth, nineteen 1992, he is charged with capital murder. And also, the defense even said that Ashley was too young and was coerced by the questioning, but it didn't matter. He was found guilty. Not a whole lot of investigation really done. Right. Out of all the 12 suspects, and they were only suspects because they were people who had, you know, known the mom or in and out of the house or whatever, he was the only one even they really went after because he had an earring. Yeah. Like, crazy to me, right? So this guy goes to prison. (laughs) And four months after Lavon's conviction, three year old Christina Jackson goes missing. Just the mother and the boyfriend were in the house at See, the time. And this
1: is what happens
0: when you don't do your due diligence and get the right person. Yes. Because clearly it wasn't Lavon if this happened four months after he went to prison. So it was just the mother and the boyfriend in the house at the time. There was one window broken for a while, but they were the only two in the house her body days later was found in a creek, sexually assaulted, claimed bite marks. Immediately, the boyfriend Kennedy Brewer became their suspect. So, he they originally wanted to give this guy Kennedy Brewer a plea deal, but he turned it down. He's like, "No, I'm innocent," you know, like. So they said that there was 19 bite marks on her, and then Dr. West, oh, the same God. forensic odontologist from the first one, said the bite marks were his. So he did the same. He was the same person who's claimed the bite marks matched on the first girl's body and now he's saying that this gentleman Kennedy Brewer that they were his bite marks on this little I girl too. I hope this odontologist fries for what he's putting these other people through. Oh, this his name, what is his name? Dr. West. He is very arrogant. All he did the entire time in the show was talk about all of his experience, all of his cases, all of his expertise. Blah 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 blah. Mm. I did not care for this guy at all. Okay. So again, the bite marks are the only evidence that was against the main, like the main part of this case against Kennedy Brewer. Mm-hmm. So the defense called in a different forensics odontologist to confirm this because they said that Dr. West was a quack, which in my opinion. He was. And they said that they weren't even bite marks, that there's no such thing as a bite mark with only the upper teeth, because that was like what the marks were. They said Dr. West was crazy. And of course, he refuted that. He was like, no, blah, blah, blah. He was very arrogant, whatever. So he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Wow. Yeah. Over these bite marks that weren't really even bite marks, apparently. I think they said in the show that they thought that they were crawfish that were making the marks on the oh, body. Oh, okay.
1: I was going to ask what it would be, but yeah, you can't unless the person had no teeth on the bottom.
0: Yeah, there's no way. How, and he did.
1: How can you bite somebody and only leave top marks? Especially bite somebody hard enough that they have bite marks on their body. Like even if you cover your bottom teeth with yeah. your lip and bite, you, you wouldn't get enough force there, I wouldn't imagine. Mm-mm. Okay.
0: He found out. Um, Kennedy Brewer found out in 2000 about the Innocence Project. And that's what this show is called, The Innocence Project. He found out about the DNA evidence becoming, you know, more available and basically freeing people that were not guilty of crimes that they were committed of. So in 2001, Kennedy Brewer's DNA test came back and excluded him from being the source of the semen from the rape of this little girl. Mm-hmm. The case was retried because the Knox DA was a dick as well, too. And he was saying that he was still a part of it, that he possibly had somebody else do it because he wanted a crack rock. Like, this guy wasn't even a crack head, you know, but like the DA of Knox County was just kind of a dick as mm-hmm. well, too. And again, they said that the this is where that came up, that the marks could have been the, by, from the crawfish and not um, bite marks and that crawfish left marks that were very similar to the ones found on the body. They did not experiment, experiment with a pig actually uh, that had deceased and the marks were very similar. So now that the they're on his case They researched similar crimes in the area and found out about LaVon Brooks. They started looking into his case, too, because basically these two cases are identical. Mm -hmm. And they found out that he had no access to legal representation, and he had just given up. Like, LaVon had given up. He was like, I'm just stuck in prison for- I can't even just
1: imagine being innocent for something and being stuck in
0: prison. For something you didn't do. Oh, God. So they watched the tapes from the Uncle Bunky interview, and of course, they said that it was complete bullshit- and none of it was, like, legit. Of they, it, it, She was saying a quarter, and they were like, oh, you mean like an earring, you know? Yeah,
1: they're filling in the blanks for her.
0: Right, because she's five. So they looked at suspects for both cases. A man's name came up, Justin Johnson, who was a suspect for both of those cases, but was never... They never went further into it, mm-hmm. even though they should have, because if his name came up for both cases, mm-hmm. they should have looked into him. He also had a prior history of sexual assault and breaking into homes to do so. He was uncooperative when they interviewed him at the time. In the summer of th- 2007, there was a retrial for Kennedy Brewer. So the first one was in 90 for LaVon? LaVon was 90, 1990. And, and so he's still in prison. That's mm-hmm. 17 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And then the um, the other Christina, that was four months after the original one. So they did a DNA test for Justin Johnson, and it came back a match for Christina Jackson. He then confessed. He said he had demons in his head and he was high on crack cocaine that told him he had to hurt the little girl. Um, Remember how there was the broken window? He Mm -hmm. reached through that broken window to get her. He confessed to killing her. Then he confessed to killing Courtney Smith as well, too. Damn. He said he did not bite either girl either. So it was probably the crawfish that- And that's their smoking gun. Yeah. That he didn't even- the actual killer didn't even bite either of them. (laughs) So, and so, okay, maybe you'll get
1: to it, but does this quack end up coming back and, like, defending himself?
0: Oh, Dr. West? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about next. Okay. I literally, in my notes, put douchebag West. <laughs> yeah. Still claims that the bite marks were Levon and Kennedy's. He has held so why, many-
1: Why would you confess to a murder and just, that's the one that you nope, I didn't do that. Right. I, I sodomized
0: her. I raped her. I killed her. But nope, didn't bite her. But in order for all of the facts to be real, Dr. West would have to admit that his forensic odontologist on those bite marks were 100% wrong. Bullshit. And yeah. let me tell you that this man's ego would not let that happen. He's held so many titles in his life. So- You know, he's legit. Yeah. And they're all a bunch of bullshit titles, I'm sure, made of
1: false information.
0: Yeah. So the Innocence Project is what got him out. And they they said that they get a couple thousand letters from incarcerated men and women a Mm -hmm. year that write to them um, because they were wrongly convicted. 1% of the cases they can actually take on. That's crazy. Right.
1: I know a lot about the Innocence Project because of Stephen Avery, the making a murderer.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's how he got freed the first time. So, LaVon Brooks served 18 years. Kennedy Brewer served 15 years. February 15th, 2008, both of them were freed. Wow crazy and then they're both back in jail because they killed dr west right
1: yeah. oh my god this would you even be mad i'd turn away just go ahead just- he was
0: such a dick like dude you were wrong you were wrong blatantly wrong and you knew you were wrong yeah so at this point in time when there's a man with a dna match who has confessed to killing both of those poor little girls here's the time to be like you know what I I made a mistake. Right. I was wrong. Because he... you're
1: letting the real person stay out there yeah. to continue to do the same shit that they were doing before. Oh, no. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. Yeah. And he he should have to pay some price for that.
0: I agree. He knowingly knew he was giving false information. Mm-hmm. That's illegal in the court of law, right? He definitely shouldn't be allowed to like practice anymore no. at all whatsoever, in my opinion. He said that the Innocence Project is a bunch of quacks and they're making him out to be a liar. And I was like, Dude. <laughs> Well, like, honestly, I think nowadays it's it's def- like they've
1: figured out that you can't go based off of an odontology
0: yeah. mark. Oh, no. He still was a douchebag uh, and refused to admit that he was wrong when he was wrong. Oh, he made me so mad. I was like, just admit you were wrong. These poor men have served 18 years you know in jail, 15 do? years in jail. He could
1: just say the science
0: is different now.
1: There was a science that I knew then. It evolves. It changes. Yeah.
0: I wanted to punch him in the face.
1: (laughs) I was like so mad about it. But you know how – that's the thing that bothers me is how
0: often it happens. Yeah. It's a scary thought, you know. It really is a scary that thought. That was their
1: smoking gun. So that's what the jury's hearing from a doctor with titles. Right. That this is a match. This is a match. Mm-hmm. And they don't have fingerprints. They didn't have DNA. They didn't have blah, 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 blah. So that's their one thing that's saying yeah. this is this
0: is a match. And I mean, I I totally get it that when these two innocent three year old girls are so brutally murdered, you want somebody to peg, yeah,
1: but You're you don't angry. just go out there, yeah, but and you just don't just peg go... it on somebody who, right, who
0: didn't do it, mm-hmm. In like, especially when this guy was a suspect on both lists. Like, why wouldn't you have questioned him? That was like my Tracy Fortson,
1: that she, uh, the last true crime that we did, that she was the only suspect. She was arrested within two days, yeah, and they didn't test this DNA. They didn't test this, they didn't, and it's like. How can you just focus in on somebody and not even yeah. pay attention to other stuff that's around there?
0: It's crazy. Fucked up. Well, I was happy that they're both – you know, both of them innocent men, Kennedy and LaVon, are out now. Yeah, but unfortunately, you can't get that back. No, you can never get that time back. And God, I if I were them, I wouldn't want to be – I would want to be away from anybody. I wouldn't want to be able yeah. to even be accused of anything anymore at all whatsoever. I would be like, I don't want any friends. I don't want it like, because – You know, if it happened once, you'd be fearful it could happen again. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you on that one. We got a little riled up on mine.
1: Well, any time when it has to do with children, it it really bothers me. Yeah. And the fact that, I don't know, I just had this feeling like when you were – when you're uh, right away, I'm like, LaVon, no, that just seems just seems too and he was obvious like a, of a choice. a really
0: mild-mannered dude as well. Yeah. Like he wasn't because they interviewed him for the show as well, too. It looks like a really good dude. He's very mild-mannered, you know, even for serving 18 years in jail, like he didn't seem angry at all. Mm -hmm. You know, he just kind of wanted to move on with his life. Mm -hmm. It was awful. Oh, man, that Dr. West.
1: (sighs) And again, very reminiscent (laughs) to me of making a murderer. Because, you know, Stephen Avery was in prison for 18 years. He gets out. He was jovial. He was nice. He was kind to people. Mm -hmm. And he was just, like, happy to be out. And then, sure enough, whether he did it or not, I agree with you. Get me the fuck out of here. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to know anybody. Because... You could add these – you know, if they –
0: can they sue the police force? Yeah, because the Knoxby County DA was kind of a dick, too. Yeah,
1: so I I would want to be
0: secluded as well just in case they're not going to try to pin something else on me. I mean, even when the DNA didn't match Kennedy for the, you know, the rape kit that they did – the DA of Noxby County was still like, oh, but he was probably involved. <laughs> it's yeah. like no, because he
1: didn't want to be wrong.
0: Yes, Ugh, God. You know. Well,
1: anywho, <laughs> <laughs>
0: gonna have to have some more drinks after that one. I'm gonna, I'm interested in the Innocence Project though. That was the first um, two episodes that I watched. I'm gonna continue watching it now. Now I'm like, intrigued. well, I'm gonna have to watch them too. I didn't even know that was out. Oh, yeah, it's good. That's – those are my favorite
1: stories of the – I mean, I don't – that sounds really tacky, but those are, like, the ones that, like, you were like, hell, yeah. Like, you know, finally people are doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, so next week's episode is going to be our Mixed Bag of Nuts. So anything that you heard us talk about and you want to send in a story about, please send it in. Yeah blonde moments podcast at gmail.com you can slide into our DMs.
0: slide into the dm uh instagram is probably the one we use the most honestly probably yeah <laughs> if you wore bread bags <laughs> slide into my dm let me know send pics if you're you know too shy to come out about snacking about dog food <laughs> yeah I, nobody's uh Message me on that one yet i haven't either well no just that one comment from mike mike admit it you liked eating those dog treats (laughs) (laughs) he's like keep me out of this all right i'll end today's episode on our blonde joke
1: a blind man walks into a bar and sits for a while with nobody talking to him he says anybody want to hear a blonde joke The bartender tells him, before you tell it, I just want to let you know there's a cage-fighting blonde on one side of you and a large blonde softball player on the other side. I'm also a blonde and I can bench 300 pounds. Do you still want to tell that joke? The blind man replies, obviously not. I don't have time to explain the joke three times. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, my God. That was a good one. I like that. (laughs)